This is cool. I get to sit on a stool. How good is that? Look at that. Woo! Just you and me. Feels like I'm in a lounge room with you or something. If you're not chickens, come, come down and sit closer. You're all chickens. So I should have had this picked out already. Yes. Woo! You guys, um, you're all at school, right? You've all got, um, you have practitioners, teachers that come in and teach your class sometimes? Yeah. That was me. Um, I, I used to do pracs. So I studied education. And I was teaching um, high school up in the Blue Mountains. I was teaching history to this class. And instead of PE, these guys got to go out and they got to skate on skate ramps um, because there's no waves in the mountains. You've got to do something, right? And um, so I'm standing at the top of this skate ramp. It's taller than me and I'm just looking down it and I'm terrified. And I'm thinking a broken nose or a broken... Maybe I'm going to tear my ACL or maybe I'm, going to do, maybe I'm going to chip all my teeth out or something. And I'm just full of terror. But I'm in the hands of some pro skaters, right? These guys have been skating their whole life since they were five years old. And they're giving me all these pro tips. They're telling me, if you want to get down this ramp, you've got to commit with your whole body. You've got to look down the ramp. You can't just put your head down. You've got to put your whole body down. Stomp on that skateboard so that you go down the ramp. So this is me giving it a shot. I've got a video. Here we go. Here we go. Woo! <laughs> so their advice was pretty good. I like nearly got down that ramp, right? And... Um, like, I, was, I was a total dweeb. I'd never skated before. I was pretty crap. But their advice was good. They wanted me to put my faith, they wanted me to trust in their advice in order to get down that ramp, even though I was terrified of everything that I thought could go wrong. In our passage tonight, we hear a call to faith like that. It's a call to trust, a call to trust in something. And it rings out clear at the end of that reading that we had from Steph. It says... If you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Faith can seem pretty crazy to us. It can feel empty. It can feel like it won't do anything. It can feel powerless to change your life. And it can seem small and pithy. It sounds like something an old person would say, have faith. But... In our passage tonight, we see that it isn't something pithy. It isn't something small. Faith is a big deal. It's saying, if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And of course, we see it's not just faith in anything, it's faith in God. Your relationship with God depends on faith. If you don't stand firm in your faith, your relationship with God will crumble away. Can we really put faith in God? Why don't I pray before we dig into that? Heavenly Father, I pray that um, tonight we would hear from your word and see that you're powerful and in control of things, that you're almighty and that you're trustworthy, that you of all things is the best place to place our faith. 
Um, Father, I pray that you would be preparing our hearts tonight to hear from your word and be changed by it. And please give me clarity as I speak from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to start with um, just getting a few things out there because this is a passage that comes across as completely unfamiliar to us. We hear all these names and places and we're just like, what the heck is going on? So I've got a a little um, thing on the screen that's going to help us as we go through the first verse. And I'm going to read the verse and have a look. I'm getting more and more dodgy with my PowerPoints. But have a look in chapter 7 from verse 1. Verse 1, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezan of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower him. So what have we got here? We've got, um, we've got Israel and the king of Israel is Pekah. We've got Judah and the king of Judah is Ahaz. And up the top right there we've got Aram and he's the king of Rezin. Rezin is just another um, word for Syria, okay? And we've got Pekah coming down with Aram towards Judah and they're going to attack it, right? But we see at the end of verse 1 there that they're not able to overpower Jerusalem, which is actually, it's the capital of Judah down the bottom there. So that's where we are, that's who's involved, and I think that's enough to go on for now. So my first point is, take this down if you're making notes, it's easy to live by sight. What I mean by that is it's easy to live your life and make decisions just by what you can see and hear and feel that's right in front of you. And we can see this in our passage. We see at the end of verse 1 there, they weren't able to get Jerusalem. And if you just go back a slide to that, um, that map again, they're not able to get into Jerusalem in Judea. So what do they do? They form an allegiance. So check it out, verse 2. Now the house of David was told, Aram, let's go up the top, has allied itself with Ephraim, which is just another word for Israel, okay? All these names is crazy. And so Ahaz, the hearts of Ahaz, the guy down the bottom, and all his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. So you've got these two nations that are coming down And they're attacking Ahaz and they've aligned themselves with each other. And how does Ahaz feel about that? Man, this guy is freaking out. I reckon Ahaz is feeling like that that pirate captain in a joke that needs his brown pants. He's staring down the barrel of a gun. And he's got these nations approaching him. I reckon it would have looked a bit like this. This is um, Lord of the Rings. It's the last battle, you've got all these orcs streaming out of Mordor and you've got the last heroes of Middle-earth and they get surrounded and it looks like they're just going to get totally pwned. Can you imagine what you would have felt like if you were there? Can you imagine being Ahaz and everything that you can see and feel and hear, the sound of armies marching down against your city is telling you that you're going down. What you're experiencing makes you terrified. And Aram, or Ahaz is terrified. He's shaking like the trees in the wind. He's about to be squashed like a bug on the pavers. And of course Ahaz is freaking out. You would be too. It's easy to live by sight, by experience. Ahaz is reacting to what he can see and hear and touch. 
which is what we do, right? We do that too in our lives today. So many of our decisions, you can get rid of that slide, so many of our decisions are made by our physical senses and what they tell us to do. And in a way, that's what our senses are there for. We know not to touch a fryer pan because it's hot and our senses say, ouch, don't touch that. And so we learn a lesson. And we learn that our senses like some foods and they don't like others. So we make decisions to avoid some foods and gorge ourselves on others. We make sense, um, decisions on our senses all the time. But there's a reality that God calls Ahaz to, to make his decisions from and put his faith in. But it's a reality that Ahaz cannot see. And one that we can't see either, which is my second point. There is an unseen reality. And it's one that we can trust in. Ahaz is terrified by what's in front of him. And into that context, Isaiah speaks another reality. One that's bigger, more real. One that Ahaz can't see but that should change the way that Ahaz feels and change the way that he acts. So have a look in verse 3. We see it here. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shir Jashub, to meet with Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smouldering stubs of firewood. Because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. God's message to Ahaz that he speaks through his prophet Isaiah is, Be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid. Why? Because Ahaz is seeing it all wrong. The two fierce armies that Ahaz is terrified of, how does God see those two armies? Two smouldering stubs of firewood, they're nothing. They're bits of wood left in the fire pit going out. They're smoking away and you can put them out with a gardening hose, right? That's how God sees these two armies. God can look at the same thing that Ahaz is looking at but see it completely differently. It's like um, Bogarts from Harry Potter, right? You know what Bogarts are? They're, um, you guys should be familiar with this. They're the, the, um, it's a creepy animal that comes out of a wardrobe and it represents the thing that you fear most. Um, do you guys know who um, Professor Snape's Bogart is? Who, who's Bogart is Professor Snape? It's Neville, right? Neville is terrified of Professor Snape. He's absolutely petrified. And to make something that you fear into something funny, what's the spell? Ridiculous. Okay, now turn him into this. The advice from Harry Potter that we get when you face something that terrifies you is keep calm and ridiculous, right? But God's message... To keep calm is like this. It says, keep calm and trust in God's reality. The way God saw the armies that were against Ahaz, 
They were nothing. And Ahaz needed to put his faith in the way that God saw these armies. And it's the same for us. We need to see God's reality. Don't make your lives just about this reality. Trying to make life as comfortable as you can. Stand in faith that God has an eternal new creation, a new reality for you. That means you don't have to make this place your heaven. And when you feel poor and hungry and like you need everything, stand in faith and remember that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. When things don't go your way and you get sick or you get injured or your boyfriend or girlfriend dumps you and you're failing at school, stand in faith and remember that God works all things for the good of those who love him. When you're at that party and your friend is telling you you're missing out on all the fun, stand in faith, faith of a better reality, a more real reality, that Christians throw the best parties, right? Because Christian parties are about the best thing. They're about God, the good God, and how good He is. What we see and experience all through our lives is tempting us to live by sight, live by our experience. What our experience tells us will be the easiest, most comfortable, best thing for you. But we hear a warning from this passage. Stand firm in your faith or you will not stand at all. It's critical to stand in faith when we're tempted to walk away. And I want to show you that faith isn't something just um, airy-fairy, it's not meaningless, it's something solid, which is my third point. Faith is solid. Faith is solid because it's trusting in what God says. Pick up with me from verse 5. I read too far before, so we're going to go back to verse 5. So Aram, God's addressing Aram. Ephraim and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. So they're saying, if you go to the next slide... They're going to come down and they're going to conquer Judah. They're going to cut it in half. They're going to divide it and they're going to tear it apart, right? But this is what the Lord says, verse 7. This is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And I think we can read passages like this and just completely forget why we're talking about faith. What is it about faith? And it's helpful to remember that faith is trusting in the things that God says. It's trusting in the promises that God makes. For Ahaz, he's being threatened by these armies that are going to come and destroy him, and God says it will not take place, it will not happen. And faith for Ahaz would have looked like him putting his trust in that promise that God made. Ahaz can see these armies, and we understand why he's freaking out. He's freaking out because of what he can see and hear. 
It's easy to live our lives by experience, what we can see. And for us, sometimes we freak out by what we can see in our lives. All our senses tell us that this Christianity thing is too hard sometimes. You might be copying it big time at school for being a Christian. All your senses are telling you to give it up. And I want to encourage you tonight that it's better to live for God's reality, God's unseen reality, because this unseen reality is worth so much more than what you can see, what's in front of you, even when it makes your life now hard. Check out this verse. I've got a verse from 2 Corinthians 4, um, and we'll start in verse 8. So this is Paul, and he's talking about how hard the Christian faith can be sometimes. He says, We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, confused, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And later on in verse 17, he'll say, We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Temporary versus eternal. That's the difference. It's worth getting through the temporary struggle, challenges that you face, because the eternal outweighs the temporary by far. There's some promises I want to show you in the New Testament, in the Bible, that will help us keep going, help us press towards this unseen, eternal reality. Promises you can trust. Here's another slide I've got of some... New Testament promises um, that we can look at in the Bible. You might want to jot these, these verses down for you to check out later. But when you're struggling and when you're tempted to give in, God promises a way out of temptation. He promises not to tempt us beyond what we can bear. When you're feeling shaky in your faith... Know that God is able to hold on to you once he's saved you. Take confidence in the fact that he won't let you go. He promises that your salvation is secure. He promises never to leave or forsake us. He promises to finish the good work that he started in you. And if you're down and out and you're feeling like you've been dealt a bad hand in life and you're wondering what's making your life so hard... Know that God promises to work all things for the good of those that love him. Do you trust these promises? These are just some of the promises we see in the Bible, but do you trust them? Stand in faith in these promises that God makes. When all the circumstances in your life tell you one thing, but God says another, put your trust in what God says. How can I say that? How can I say, just put trust in God? How does that change my situation? I want to say, because God is trustworthy. His promises aren't just words. He comes through on the things that he promises. 
Do you know back in Isaiah that God makes another promise in verse 14? And it's a promise that shows just how trustworthy he is. Have a look at verse 14. Verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what it means. It seems so improbable. This promise seems improbable that God, the Almighty, would come into the world that he made as a human, as a baby human. That it would be from virgin birth. How unlikely does that sound? But God keeps that promise. And around 700 years later, Jesus is born into the world by virgin birth. He's called Emmanuel. He's not just any old human. He's God with us. And Jesus wasn't just a good teacher or a wise man or a nice guy. Jesus came to call everyone to repent from not acknowledging the unseen reality of God as king. And he calls you to be forgiven by following him who perfectly lived his life in light of God, in, in light of the reality of God. And he calls you to put faith in what he did, that he took the punishment of your sin and nailed him to the cross. That he bore the wrath of God against your sin of rejection of God as king. Some of you here tonight are living in rebellion to the unseen reality that God is your King. You need to repent and turn. You need to turn and ask for forgiveness. You might be sitting here and you don't even believe in God and it's great to have you with us but you might think that this whole Christian thing, it's a joke, it's a lie. And I realise this is huge for me to just stand here as you're wrestling with, with whether or not God is really there and call you to repent, to ask for forgiveness from a God that you're not really even confident is there. But our faith as Christians isn't in a God who hasn't made himself known. Our faith is in Jesus who's come down onto our earth as a human, one of us. And our faith is placed in those concrete events of Jesus becoming human, who spoke with real humans, humans that really wrote down everything that they saw and heard Jesus do, humans who recorded the events of Jesus in real history books. The Christian faith is not a weak faith. It puts itself right out there. In many ways, you can test what the Christian faith claims. And if that's you, and you want to test the Christian faith, I think that's great. We run something called Life. It's on this Tuesday night. And it runs on, um, from 7.30 for six weeks in a row. And it's for the sceptics, the, the critics, the people who have questions. It's for you guys. And if you think that the Christian faith is weak, 
It's where you can hear the defense of Christianity's most vulnerable beliefs and hear how strong they are. And even if you, you're sitting here and you believe all this stuff, you agree with it, I think it's still great to come to life, to be reminded of the confidence that we have in the most fundamental things that we believe. Come to life. It'd be crazy to doubt the evidences of Christianity but never investigate them. Our faith is solid because of what we put our faith in. God's promises aren't just words. His promises become reality when he steps into our existence on our earth. And he died in your place that you might be restored to right relationship with God. This is helpful, right? Because it's not the quality of our faith that we have that saves us, but the quality of what we put our faith in. So even even if you come trembling, unsure, not confident, insecure, as long as you actually put your faith in Jesus, your standing before God will be as though you're forgiven. Your sin is washed away. Jesus is the most secure thing that you can put your trust in because his work is complete and perfect. He has entirely satisfied the wrath of God. No additional work needs to be done to make up for the wrong that we've done for rejecting God as king. Jesus is entirely sufficient. But what is essential is that you stand in faith or you will not stand at all. What happened to Ahaz, just to finish the story of Ahaz? Well, we don't see much in this passage about what Ahaz does, where he ends up, but we learn from other parts in our Bible that he's actually a pretty bad guy. He's a bit filthy. He doesn't put his trust in God. And although God stops the city from being destroyed right then and there, Ahaz is destroyed and his destruction is far worse than just going down with the city. His relationship with God is destroyed, which is the unseen. It's the more important reality. He rejects God as king. He rejects trusting in God and puts his faith in other things. Don't do that. This is a warning to us to not do that. Your relationship with God is the most important reality because it has eternal impact on your life. Put your faith in God. If you've never made that decision before in your life, I want to encourage you to make that decision tonight. And let us know about it. We'd love to give you a Bible as a gift and we'd love to encourage you and help you grow. And I'll be hanging out after the, after the talk, after youth, and you can grab any leader you like and talk to them. We'd love to hear from you. Why don't I pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that your promises aren't empty, that you come through on what you promise, that you're trustworthy that your promises change our reality. Father, help us live in light of your unseen reality. Help us live in light of you as king. Please um, soften our hearts to continually live lives that acknowledge you 
And for those of us here tonight who are wrestling with this, um, please help them hear clearly from your word and be convicted of your reality. In Jesus' name, amen.